www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1986. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 79. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. Today we have a podcast special and it's a live interview with Blackburn Rovers manager Gary Boyer. Delighted to have him with us and thanks for his time and also thanks to communications director Alan Myers for setting up the interview for BRFCS. Thanks also to the members of BRFCS who've put forward some questions via the forums for us to ask the manager. So Gary, uh, thanks ever so much for taking time out. Uh, You must be very busy ahead of the Wigan match on Saturday. Yeah, um, no problem. You're, you're, you're welcome. You know, um, yeah, we've uh, we've done all the training this morning and planning and, um, and prepping for the Wigan game, and uh, we'll just um, go through a couple of videos this afternoon, and then uh, we'll get ready for Friday's training. Now, you've uh, you've been here at uh, the club since uh, 2004. It's ten years now, and you came in as the under 18s coach. Uh, 2008, uh, you moved up to the reserve team manager. Uh, you then had two spells as caretaker manager in uh, December 2012 to January 2013 uh, after Henning Berg uh, was dismissed. And then again, uh, two months later, after uh, Michael Appleton had been dismissed, uh, you were then caretaker manager from March until uh, the end of the season. Uh, from May 2013, so it's a year and a half ago, uh, you've been the manager. And you've served under uh, quite a number of uh, illustrious managers. Uh, so... The first question from the people on BRFCS is, uh, who's the best manager you've worked with? You've been under uh, Mark Hughes, Paul Inns, Sam Allers. Did, did you come after Graham Sooners? No, I, I came that season. I started that season. And I think he left in the September, was it? He left just at the beginning of the September to go to Newcastle. Mm. Um, well, the, the, I think the, the, the club has been fortunate in, in, in the... Uh, the quality of managers that we've had at the club, like I say, when I first arrived, Graham Sooners, fantastic personality and, and uh, an out-and-out winner. Uh, and and uh, like I say, I wasn't here long enough that, for that, but you know, when I first joined, he made me feel very welcome, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always remember that from his side. Um, I think then, obviously, uh, Mark Hughes took over and... Um, you know, his record speaks for itself when he was at the club. I thought he did a fantastic job. I thought his staff were magnificent as well. I learned a hell of a lot from all of them, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, in terms of how they prepared and, and how they played as well. And, you know, I think it was a big loss for us when he went to Manchester City, but uh, you have to understand certain things in life. And then, uh, you know, going yeah. to, I think his first signing then was Ron Rubinho. So, yeah, it was incredible. You know, uh, you understand that. Um, and then, like you say, Paul Ince, uh, again, he was very good with me. Uh, liked some of his ideas on football, um, but it didn't quite work out for him here. Um, and then the big sound come in, and uh, again, from a learning point of view, it was fantastic for, for myself and the, the other coaches because, you know, it, he, he's been uh, around a long time and mm. he, he had some great ideas and still does. And, uh, you know, he knows how to win football matches and he's still proving that with uh, West Ham. I think, you know, sometimes he, he gets um, someone called for stake because it's about winning matches. Mm, yeah. What did you take from each of those managers? 
for, for example, yeah. uh, Salmond is, is uh, 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 numbers and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, different, different yeah. things from different mm. managers and just to, sometimes it's uh, just a little conversation and you, it, it strikes a chord with you, you know. Um, I remember discussing with Mark Hughes who should be kept on as a scholar and who shouldn't be kept on after you know they've done their apprenticeship. And one of the questions he asked was, could he be uh, able to handle playing in front of you know forty five thousand? Mm. And it just struck a chord straight away with you. And you go, yeah, that that that's how you've got to measure them. Not you know, oh yeah, they're a nice little footballer. It's, could they handle that mental side yeah. of the game? And yeah. you know, just little things like that. And like you say, Big Sam brought all the numbers and. You know, just the preparation and the attention to detail that he gave and uh, took, you know, the pressure away from the players. Um, but again, again, you know, even in the, the, the short time there, the, the, it was just great learning. Mm -hmm. You've been, uh, you started off with the, the academy. Um, just wondering, what's the situation now with the academy? Um, we applied for, was it category one status Correct. a while ago? I, I, I got that. that. Uh, that finally went through. Yes, it was yeah. the second attempt, I think. And um, uh, the funding uh, was uh, something of an issue for that uh, year, year and a half ago. But uh, owners gave the support to that and showed the commitment to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, as a former um, academy uh, director, was. It? Uh, I was the under-18 coach, yeah, the under and then, 18, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you say, I, I looked after it in the caretaker role mm -hmm. for a couple of months, yeah. but um, yeah. that, my main role down there was the coaching. Yeah, so what, what do you feel are the differences between working with the, you know, with the youth and being a first-team manager? Um, I think mm. the actual day-to-day -day and how you go about it and how you plan it is very similar. Mm. Uh, I think the biggest difference, obviously, is the the, the need to win matches now at first-team level. You know, at, at uh, the academy level, you know, um, whilst you try and instill winning as a good habit, uh, it was more that the, the focus was on the development and the, um, the challenging the players to play out their comfort zone. So for an argument, say, you know... Um, playing an under-16 and an under-18 and seeing mm. how he copes in that environment. Yeah. For me, that's a better way of learning than having a team full of under-18s that win the league, but then you never hear of any of those players developing because mm -hmm. it's become too easy for them. I think you've always got to be challenging the players, and that was uh, that, that's what that's the main thing, I think, for, mm. for the difference. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Phil Jones came through under yourself, mm -hmm. uh, Grant Hanley as well. Yeah. Um, now, who, who, sorry? Jason Lowe. Jason Lowe. Yeah, Adam Henley and Josh Morris. Who, who do you see as being the person who you think will make it in the next two, three years? Is there from, a single from the one? academy? Yeah, from, from now, looking ahead. Uh, I think, um, <coughs> I, I, I don't like doing that, to be honest with you, because mm. I think you put uh, unnecessary pressure on the, the mm -hmm. certain individuals, you know. Even those lads that we've just mentioned there, we never saw, like I said, you've got to be in the team or you've got to be, you're the one that's going to do it. Because, you know, people learn and develop at different rates and uh, I think, you know, you've got to try and take the pressure off them and allow them to express themselves and grow as and when. I mean, you know, uh, we were very lucky and spoiled with, with the, the, the names that we've just mentioned yeah, there yeah. in terms of Jonesy. Uh, Grant, uh, I remember both of them making their debuts as under-18 players, and mm. um, you know Jason Lowe then followed, and uh, we, you know 
it's very good for the homegrown and very good for the local fans to be able to identify um, with with homegrown players. Um, you know, you've heard a lot in the net, in the press this week about Manchester United and, and, mm. and theirs, but they they're not neglecting the youth, and I don't think you ever can. Mm. You, you you tend to put uh, something of an es- emphasis on uh, young British players. Uh, is is that something to do with the the culture here that you're trying to um, bring young British players through, or is that not a fair assessment? I wouldn't say it's a fair assessment. Although I think Luke Varney, Chris Brown, and Alex Baptiste uh, will be delighted you're calling them young players. Um, but um, in all seriousness, no, I. I I, I always try to get the best for Blackburn Rovers. That's 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 been my main aim since we took over. Um, if the right foreign player was out there, we'd sign him. And you know, Rudy Gustad's foreign boy, and we signed him. So, you know, I think uh, we we it, it's sometimes realizing where we're at financially. Um, we we can't go into the market now and spend millions. Um, Unfortunately, mm. uh, but then you have to then target the right market, and you know the younger ones have been at, at the right time. But like I said, we've uh, we've brought in experience because I think we still need the experience at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack O'Connell, uh, big hopes for him uh, last year was at Rochdale, mm. captain the side. Yeah, got promotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the podcast I was saying I'm looking forward to seeing him. <laughs> He's gone out on loan again. Um, what was the thinking behind that decision? Well, mm-hmm. quite simple. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've got uh, Grant Hanley and Alex Baptiste and Matt Kilgallen, who uh, we saw as our first three defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was the situation where Shane Duffy was uh, available and available at a, a very good deal to the football club. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's someone that we've known, and I think since Scott Dan's gone, we haven't really replaced yeah. his height. So Shane was a. Uh, Certainly, one that can uh, cover that, um, and as a result of being able to get Shane, and uh, we were able to then send Jack out and and continue his development because he's now gone from League Two to League One, and you know he's uh, he started off okay there again, and and we'll continue to monitor him. He, you know, sometimes it's all right. I'm having him in the system, but for a young one to be sat on the bench regularly is not good for his development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you reckon? Uh, he's on. A full season long yes. now there, isn't he? Uh, no, no, I think he's there till January. Till January. Yeah. So you, you can also bring him back in the meantime? If After 28 days have gone. But, right, um, yeah. You know, uh, I'm thinking of injuries and such like. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, you have the option to bring yeah, him back. Yeah, of course, yeah. always. Always put that in. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were saying that uh, uh, when you first came in that you needed uh, two or three uh, windows transfer windows mm-hmm. before you you could get what you think was your own squad uh, how how are you progressing in in that uh, respect now i think um mm. you know the, the the people of blackburn rovers and the people of blackburn see the progress that, that we've made you know um there, there was a big job to be done this time last year and uh, we got stuck into that while still trying to be competitive and then we were then able to add the, the likes of uh, rudy uh, Jordan, uh, Tom Kearney, sorry, and, and Craig Conway in January, and then uh, we again we made progress, and uh, I feel that in this window we've done the same. But uh, again, you know, um, we we've still got to continue to make progress and continue to look to get better. It's never ending, but mm. I think with the 
current crop that we've got, the people that we paid money for have increased in value, They're, so they've become more of an asset to the club. That doesn't mean that we're selling them, but mm. it shows that we've invested the money properly. Mm. Um, and I think that the people that we brought in on free transfers have proved that we've done our homework. And you know, the likes of the Tommy Spur was uh, magnificent for us last year, and Chris Taylor on the back of free transfers. So I think you know, uh, we've we've done we've done well, and we've improved the squad. Um, and I think the the pleasing thing for especially the supporters is that. Whoever puts the shirt on, they know that they're getting a shift out of them. You know, there's not one player that you can level anything against them that they don't work hard enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about character assessment. H- how do you, how do you go about doing that? Uh, the, the scouting network uh, presumably reports back to you directly. Well, I think there's a, there's lots mm-hmm. that go into it. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's reports that go into it, but then you have to do your own. Uh, research in terms of speaking to other managers that they've played for and other people that you know in the game that they've played for and ex-players and find out about how they are off the pitch because that's just as important you know mm-hmm. if they don't behave themselves off the pitch then uh, they won't be on the pitch for you so mm-hmm. I think you know a lot of a lot of effort goes into the bringing the right types in mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan Judge uh, and uh, uh, Marrow were brought in uh, last year during the summer, very early on in the window, yeah. and then uh, later on in the window we're bringing other players in. And uh, after uh, a few matches, um, already um, we're no longer seeing Judge and Marrow in the first team, and then they were subsequently loaned out. Um, we thought uh, that it was because there was a change in policy at the time in transfer policy that maybe funds have been made available where you thought earlier in the summer they may not be coming available. Was it anything uh, to do with recruitment policy changing? No, not at all. I think Mm. it was a case of um, Mm. the time and the place that these lads were available and I think, you you know, um, you have to strike at the right times. that the ones that we bought in towards the end of that window weren't available at the beginning of the window. So, you know, obviously, um, the, the, it's not just about the the club that's uh, mm. recruiting; it's the club that's obviously uh, yeah. allowing them out as well. Yeah. So, at this particular time, we couldn't get who we wanted, so you, mm. you then have to build a squad, and you know that's what we've done throughout the time we've been here. Interesting. Now, the um, impact of FFP. Um, what is going to happen? I, mean, I think everybody's yeah. asking that up and down yeah. the country. Yeah. Uh, and so, unfortunately, I can't answer it any more than that. Uh, you probably yeah. know as much as me on it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, basically, uh, keep your um, wage levels down as much as possible. Keep your um, uh, expenditure down as much as possible. And just wait and see. That's my understanding, yeah. So, you, like I say, you do know as much as me, you see. So, if we move on to playing style and tactics, um, do you fit the players to the system or do you fit the system to the players? I think you've got to be flexible yeah. to both because obviously, yeah. like you said, injuries mm. sometimes dictate um, mm. the level of opposition, who you're playing against. Uh, we're never going to go to Man City and go gun ho 4 4 2 against them or never. Uh, a success there, but uh, that that dictates. Um, What's your preferred system? 
I, I think you were very much uh, at the uh, reserve and under 18s level, you were very much for the pass and move, keep it on the deck. Mm -hmm. um, it, is, is that essentially how you want your teams to be playing? Yeah, very much so. I think um, if you look at the players that we've got, the majority of them are footballers that uh, handle the ball very well. Um, the championship is a tough division, and you know you uh, you have to be able to mix it up. You look at the teams that get promoted out of our league, and they have the ability to mix the gamers up. That's uh, something that we've uh, looked at, and hence why we brought the likes of Rudy in and, and Chris Brown and. And you lose Barney's because um, it's not just about playing a nice passing game all the time. You have to be able to mix the game up. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, again, like you say, we're making progress and we're going the right way. I think it's, you know, people's perceptions and philosophies and uh, the world that we live in now is everything, everybody wanted everything yesterday. And that's not the case, you know. You don't build a house in a day. You don't build a house in a week or a month, and it takes time. And then once you yeah. actually have built the house, mm. you've got to then go in and decorate it. Mm. And you're now putting the wallpaper on them. Well, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting somewhere near to uh, actually, you know, getting in there and starting decorating. Mm. Um, box to box midfielders. Mm. We had one in uh, the American German uh, guy Jonesy. Yeah, brilliant. Player. Um, we missed out on him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the reports at the time were that his wife was happy in the Manchester area and that he was happy, and it just didn't come through at that time. And we've really missed someone with that energy down the centre. Presumably been looking for someone in that mould. Well, I think uh, if you look up and down the country, there's not many about knocking about nowadays, you know. Um, but um, obviously you, you, you're constantly looking. Uh, we feel that... Uh, We've added Ryan Tunnicliffe, who we think can do some of that um, and get box to box. Um, Jason Lowe's energy levels enable him to get box to box. Um, so you know we're we're constantly looking and, and striving to make the team better, not just in one particular position. Mm, yeah. um, many of the fans view um, a problem with leaking goals. We've got, uh, I think we're fourth, fourth highest in the division already with goals conceded. Yeah. Um, the problem of sitting back on the lead, um, question of uh, uh, late goals conceded, um, pressing teams higher up the pitch. Um, does, does this um, concern you at all in your day-to-day -day thinking? You know, from, from Which bit? <laughs> The, the fact that you do concede late goals quite regularly. Well, I think, you, I think yeah. you've got to analyse the games, yeah. haven't you? If you say, mm. uh, if you look at the goals that we've conceded already, um, you know, the, 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 there's various degrees of mm. uh, reasons for them, i.e., you know, the penalty at Norwich is not a penalty, mm. uh, which the referees told us. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, we concede the one goal at Norwich late, and then mm. the second, goal, the third goal. Sorry, is we're chasing it to try and get to it. So yeah. you have to take a degree of um, perspective on it and analyse each goal on its merit. Um, 
the the other girl, the goals against uh, Bournemouth. Mm. You know, again, the penalty is not a penalty. So mm. there's two goals that you can take off without worrying about you know people getting panicky and saying, oh, you can see a lot of goals and late goals. Um, but we were disappointed uh, with the manner of the goals that we conceded in, against Wolves. No, that that's that's not going to be um, excused at all because, like you say, they, they, they were soft goals. I said it at the end of the game. And that was disappointing. But they weren't late goals. They were just soft goals. Uh, I think people are very quick, like I say, to put tags onto things and, and be negative. Uh, I think it's the media. You know, you look mm, at mm. England are going into the Switzerland game with an unbelievable yeah, yeah, amount yeah. of pressure on them, and it's the first qualifying game. Ridiculous. Yeah. But that's drummed up by the media, and uh, it's part of the game, and people have to deal with that. Mm, mm. Yeah, uh, media and also uh, expectations. You were talking earlier about. Uh, you know the I want it now uh, attitude. Yeah, I won't say generations, but I think it's permeated across the generations more, yeah. more than anything. But yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think you know, 2020 cricket's far more in, uh, mm. interesting now than Test match cricket. Mm. Yeah. Only because it's quick and it's short, yeah. and they can get off. Yeah, it's uh, immediate. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. I think that's the society that we live in now. Mm. So it's very easy sometimes to jump on the bandwagon. I think uh, a sensible supporter analyses what's going on and then makes a decision from that not what they read or hear or jump on the bandwagon or what's trendy at the time you know mm-hmm. I hear people talking about uh, if Roy Hodgson didn't succeed we should have this manager that manager and that manager what a load of rush start of a campaign first game but that's drilled yeah I mean we've already had is it three managers in the championship who've already gone already before the beginning Crazy. of September. Exactly. Uh, so what's that all about? You know, why let somebody do all the preparation and that? Like I say, you don't just remove the builders off the uh, the plot, do you? After he's uh, only built half the house. Mm. But yeah. that logic and that sensible approach is something that needs to come back into the game, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Going on to uh, training. Uh, what's the division of labour for training? You know. How, how do you set up for training? Uh, defensive duties, uh, goalkeeping is obvious, but defensive uh, attacking. How do you actually set that up in, in training on a day-to-day basis? Every day we cover every topic. Right. Because they're both as important as each other. Right, yeah. How, how would that actually work in practice? So mornings, afternoons, or Yeah, you have your, your yeah. training segments and you, you mm. break it down. Um, we do a lot on possession and trying to become more uh, dominant with the ball, which I think we've seen against Cardiff and uh, certainly first half at Blackpool and uh, you know uh, certainly a wheels away. You know, you look at the possession stats. Uh, you know, we were the away team and they're playing counter-attacking football. So, like I say, things take time, but um, we've got a new group of players and flooding them into it. But you know. We don't we don't go out to score and then sit on the lead. That's for sure. Mm, you know? mm, yeah. Is is that then more the case that the uh, the players aren't confident enough in their own ability? You're talking no, about. No, I think I think know. I think people forget that there's yeah. an opposition as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Occasionally. So you, 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 you tell me when someone goes out yeah. and dominates a game. They don't. Yeah, yeah there's always ebb and flow, of yeah. course. Yeah. And, and like you say, we were, yeah. we were sat quite comfortable against Norwich until the referee gives a penalty. We were sat quite comfortable against Bournemouth until the referee gives a penalty. So mm. there are momentum shifts in the game, which sometimes mm. you can't control. You have no control over. What you have to do is respond to that. And... Um, Training-wise, um, when you've got uh, a Saturday to Saturday match week, um, what days do they do they train? They would train uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. They just have one day off, and that's just a Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you bring generally, them in, anyway. Yeah, you bring them in on Sunday for a warming down. Sometimes, sometimes not. It depends when um, mm. when our next game is. Okay, right. So if it's a Saturday game, if it's a Saturday to Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we vary it, but sometimes mm. we would probably not have them off. Uh, we would have them off on the Sunday, mm-hmm. and then do Monday, Tuesday off for Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday. Right. Yeah. Always morning only, or sometimes. No, no sometimes the afternoons. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, with the intensity of which we train, mm. that's the most important thing to us: the intensity. Mm. Um, the recovery is just as important. Uh, there have been uh, quite a number of uh, supporters who have been concerned about injuries over the last year. Mm. Uh, ankles, yeah. uh, Unpreventable. Ham- hamstrings. What's hamstrings. the story with th- those? Well, uh, I think if you look at the ankles, yeah. then generally it's been in challenges. You know, mm. the, yeah. Contact. Rather contact, than, yeah. so you can't do anything about that. Yeah. Um, the lads do, a, 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 you know, we've got Chris Neville who was with England in the summer in the World Cup and and Dave Fever are probably two of the best in the country, in my opinion. And then uh, they do a fantastic program in terms of injury prevention. But come match day, again, the opposition have a, a bearing on sometimes that as well. Um, have you been set a target for this season? No, I haven't been set a target um, in terms of a point tally or anything like that. I think mm. uh, everybody in the Championship has, has obviously got their own desires to get out of the league and, and get in the premiership and we're no different mm. uh, but like I say at the same time we we would we myself and the staff are trying to build something not just for this year but for hopefully you know for mm. a couple of years to come with with what we're recruiting and, and how we're trying to develop him I think if you analyze it sensibly the progress that we've made in a year has been decent uh, the, the beauty of Myself and the staff is that we don't rest on those laurels. We always want to get better. Mm, yeah, uh, you obviously uh, just missed out on the playoffs by two points. Um, it's pretty obvious that you want to get higher than <laughs> higher than that. What about the realistic uh, chances of, of getting automatic promotion? I think, like I say, mm. uh, every game that we go into, we're trying to win. Um, Again, what you have to take into consideration is the amount of money that's been spent this year by the championship clubs. You've got Fulham spending 11 million on one player. You've got our opponents this weekend, Wigan, who have spent well and spent heavily. And I think they spent a reported three million pound on on one player, which is more than we've spent in 18 months. So that just also has to show the levels of where we're at a little bit as well. You know, gone are the days now where we were paying eight million for Jordan Rhodes, um, but you know we have to cut our cloth according now, and, and I think that sometimes gets missed, and you know, like you say, the expectations of uh, of people. But 
we can guarantee the people of Blackburn that you know every game we're going out to try and win and be competitive. Yeah. Finally, um, just to round up, which manager do you admire the most? Alex Ferguson, it's simple. Thank you ever so much for taking time out. No problem. You're and uh, we're very happy to hear what you have to say to BRFCS. Thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was the Rovers manager, Gary Boyer, and he was talking to us exclusively at BRFCS. He was in relaxed mood and in good humour despite still suffering the effects of a cold that he was shaking off, but what came across really clearly as we talked was how much he genuinely cared for the club and how he sought to act in the best and long-term interests of Blackburn Rovers Football Club, which was reassuring after a most turbulent period in our club's history. I'd like to thank him once again for his time and wish him well for the 2014-15 campaign. Thank you to everyone around this tiny little globe we're all on for listening, and wherever you are, do take good care. Thank you.